Yeah, and you had Mo with his penalty shots as well, which was, you know, it was worth his weight as a player just for him to have to take penalty shots, you know, <laughs> because um, we, for some reason, got into a lot of shootouts that year, didn't yeah. we? You know, things things were tight and, you know, we were, trying, we were probably punching a little bit and trying to get established and uh, we went to a lot of shootouts and Mo had the golden touch, he did. didn't he? he just, you just knew you could rely on him and he'd go out and get that first one. You'd put him as the first shooter and you'd get that one under the belt and uh, yeah. and that saw us a lot of wins. Is there anything better than an Andrew Lloyd goal celebration as well? Boy, he milks that. It's, it's like... It's, <laughs> but what I love about it, it's like it's his first ever goal. Yeah. You watch any celebration and it's like childlike glee. It is. That just it, it rubs on your face. I just think... I love play. I think Ivan used to do. Ivan yeah. Matulik used yeah. to do something similar. Where his was more kind of like pent up rage. There was release. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I just love when players lose themselves That's in true. that moment because there's nothing worse than a player who scores and kind of nonchalantly yeah. skates <laughs> very calmly. I just like be happy about it. Yeah. But um, yeah, you're quite right. I, I do uh, love a tug of the shirt, yeah. uh, a smile up uh, to the crowd, yeah. and uh, ah. And again, you know, we talked this year it was all about, you know, reuniting the fan base yes. and igniting the passion. A lot of people had fallen out of love with the game and, you know, moments like that are just priceless for that, you know, in terms of getting everybody in it together and, you know, people in the stands as excited as Andrew Lloyd is scoring goals. Absolutely. One thing that's, uh, that took place within this streak and... Uh, Within all the hysteria of having the, the club back and firing all cylinders, Paul Bissonnet signed and then backed <laughs> out. Yes. What this season could have been if Paul <laughs> Bissonnet landed in the UK. Franny, how close was Biz to landing back in Cardiff and being part of this team? Well, I mean, he was he was signed. He was, um, you know, he was... I think he just got um, released from his American League team. Um, he was looking for another team, and he got back in contact with us, which was which was great news. I, I think we tried for him in the summer. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. yeah, if we could have got him yeah. back, that would be a massive coup, and what a way to launch the the new era. Um, so we we got back in touch with him he signed an American League deal fair enough you know he obviously had aspirations to get back to the the NHL um, so he signed there then things didn't quite work out or you know, maybe it's a number of players that they had sent down from the NHL team which is quite often the way and they had to make some room and you know we had negotiations and he was signed as a player but he he was hanging on and hanging on because he wanted to get another American League deal with a view again to, mm-hmm. you know, if that NHL farm, uh, if, if the NHL parent team um, was short of a player of, of business ilk, then he might get some callbacks and earn his way back into the show. Um, so we signed him, but, you know, he wanted a clause in there that if over the days before he actually flew over, um, a team came in for him, he wanted us to be able to, uh, to release him. So... Um, we had him signed. We announced it, and I think we announced it in the transparency that was that was to become yes. a trademark of the club now. And you know, talk about earning the trust back. That you know, he is signed. However, there is an option if a team comes in for him. And I think it was literally the day before he was going to fly. Um, LA Kings organization comes in for him, and they had a deal and. Are you going to turn down the LA Kings even for Sunny Cardiff? Uh, <laughs> so it, it well, was, I would, Franny. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it was 
you know, it was it wasn't to be. But uh, you know, there's a lot of excitement. You can imagine how excited Steve King and Brian Parker and Kelly and Craig were uh, that Biz mm. was. You know, they'd heard about his time with us before, and obviously he's got legendary status around uh, around the hockey world, and you know, would have been a, a, an amazing fit for us here. Um, but it it wasn't it wasn't meant to be. The Cardiff Crosby almost. <laughs> Frank, do you think if the deal had been done a month later, that the team that signed him maybe would have gone elsewhere? Was he put on the radar by having signed elsewhere? I'm just thinking there's a there's a bargaining position here for for the team that signed him where they go. Oh wait a minute! He is about to go to Europe. Maybe we need to make our move now. No, I, I think it was that um, you know his agent was actively seeking a, a deal for him in North America, and you know had some interest. Nobody was sort of committing, and it wasn't quite there. And it was his agent obviously stands to to gain a lot more if he signs an American League deal, potential NHL deal. Um, so he was always going to chase that deal and. Probably even when he was here, he would have still continued to try for him, knowing that you know we would have released him if uh, if he had that opportunity back in North America. So um, I don't think it was the you know releasing the news when we did because um, you know we were a day away from having him, but there was always that chance that he'd go back. But uh, you know he's just the agent doing his job and doing it well. Yeah, he did thank uh, the Devils publicly for uh, considering him and. Uh those uh, got great memories of his time here, the first time, of course. Quite a remarkable uh, thing for such a big personality in the hockey world to have uh, been a part of Devils. He played in a tent. He did. <laughs> and uh, took some fabulous photos of a night out on St. Mary's Street, I seem to remember. <laughs> and we still get mentioned a few times in his uh, Spit and Chicklets podcast. <laughs> or maybe he could mention this podcast as well. He can po- podcast Unity in a uh, We don't need it. <laughs> So as the three losses in 20 uh, games from November to January um, and the, the club is really on a roll in the league and there's a sense that there's a genuine title challenge um, being, uh, being laid down and uh, there's a real buzz and you know every new ownership promises the world when they take over but I think very quickly the, the genuine sentiment that was posed to Dell's fans is embraced and everyone knows this is for real the title charge takes a little bit of a dip late January mm-hmm. uh, John I'll come to you on this the 25th of Jan starts a run of five losses in six games including a couple in Scotland and a 6-0 loss at home to the Sheffield Steelers and I cannot remember this game for the life of me it must be some sort of I, I think I blanked it out because I yeah, yeah, I've never I, had I, I looked at it earlier and it was uh, I, I have no I, I, is this the diving game with, with War and Clarkson being thrown <laughs> out is that possibly you have to ask Alec that one because he, he got his <laughs> his brief on Twitter from some Steelers fans I, I, no, I, don't, I don't remember that but I, I think it's interesting um, if you don't remember John I'm questioning whether it even happened I'm not sure <laughs> actually, yeah, let's go with the typo, let's go with the typo. <laughs> but, but for the season as a whole the, the, the backdrop of it to be and I mean this in the nicest possible way, to be going against G and, 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 and Sheffield and, um, uh, you know, what, what, what had happened in, in, in Cardiff and, and, and so on and so forth. Obviously, G had won the playoffs the, the year before um, and, and a shootout with the Steelers is, 
is exciting and, and gets the blood pumping at the best of times and then you throw uh, G into the mix where you're kind of rooting for him but you're kind of not at the same time and <laughs> um, yeah it, it's I, I think I remember a stage where and again throwing a hockey cliche in there became an over-reliance on that Martin Morissette Lord line and I think the secondary scoring dried up a little bit and, and maybe teams were matching up well against that that Martin line and, and then the Devils uh uh, was starting to look a little a little lethargic and, and what have you. There was obviously the focus on another competition, which I know we'll come to, but maybe the Devils uh, um, thought that was the one that was a, a little bit more uh, winnable. But no, to, to, to be back in that title race anyway was a real shot in the arm because, as I mentioned in the, in the World Record podcast, that's where I always expect the Devils to be. Um, and it was great to, to kind of be back there so soon and the excitement was, was, was building and to be going against... Sheffield and uh, and G in a, in a former coach and 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 uh, you know hero of, of of many many people in Cardiff. It was uh, it was a really interesting season. Yeah, I think one of the triggers um, in in that bad run of form there was an injury to Jesse Mitchin, um, yeah. and I remember it really really well. Uh, we played up in Nottingham. Uh, I think a guy had made a clumsy hit on him. And I remember the guy like Charles Landry, who's a D-man, and uh, Mitch dropped the gloves, had a fight with him, caught him with some pearlers, might have even knocked his teeth out. Yeah, I remember that and, fight yeah, eventually. Remember the fight? And in the fight, what had happened, where he'd caught him with a, with a massive bomb, he caught him in the teeth, and he, basically the teeth had cut through his knuckles. So Mitch had... Uh, you know, a lot of blood pouring out of his knuckles. You look at it, and it was a deep, deep wound. So um, we obviously got the uh, their team doctor, and he, you know, said, "I need to stitch that now." So, so he did. He he stitched that. Uh, quite a nasty wound, like I said, across the knuckles. Um, and then obviously you're hoping then for as soon as that's recovered, then he's back in the lineup. But what happened then was uh, he got uh, an infection in his knuckle. So in days after. He knew something wasn't right. You know, his hand had swollen up. It was it was massive. You know, when the the skin goes all thin and you get that big balloon hand, um, and he had this infection, and we quickly get it looked at by our medical team, and it's you know it's hot, and they're like, right, this is bad. You have to go straight to hospital. So they sent him to hospital. They admitted him. Um, they took him down for surgery. So what turns out, I mean, your teeth has got a lot of bacteria in it, uh, or. I mean, I don't know about uh, Charles Landry's oral yeah, habits. No. Uh, <laughs> not, not saying anything like that, but I think it's, uh, in, in general, your teeth have got a lot of bacteria in them. Uh, science and hockey. Yeah. Um, no point when we launched this podcast, I think that Charles Landry's oral health <laughs> would ever be a... It's a new uh, name for the podcast. Like yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, this had got infected and maybe it wasn't washed out as well as it could have been before the stitch-up. Uh, so he had to go in for surgery, they had to reopen it, um, they had to clean it all out, stitch it back up, keep him in hospital, it still stayed infected, they had to do another operation, so he's on two operations now, there was even talk that if, his, if the infection spread all the way down his finger, he could lose his finger, and it was literally that bad, and you can imagine how petrified uh, Mitch was at the prospect of you know, losing a finger, career over and a, you know, and a disability for life uh, and uh, luckily they, they managed to to you know clean it out and get rid of the infection and um, 
you know, did a great job in it there. But he was out of the lineup for a lot of time. So yeah. we lost that dynamic of that. You know, we talked about mirroring the Belfast um, third line. All of a sudden, we lost that dynamic. We're a, a guy down, and yes, we had guys to step up into the role, but, you know, Mitch was starting to come into his own as a player. You could see him improving all the time. Um, so that was a big loss for us. It's true, um, right, because, sorry, like, the, the lines had juggled a little bit, and I think this is when the Myers, the dad Clarkson line had come together, and, and Mitch was yeah, playing. Yeah, because we did, we did and, actually uh, sign, you know, Steve King, true to his word. Yeah. Um, you know, we knew this was going to be a kind of break even season, but he allowed us to go out and sign yeah. an extra player. Yeah. So we got Marcus Tattenham. Yeah. Um, so we got we brought Tattenham in, which is a guy that we talked to in the summer. Yeah. Lordo knew him from when they played in the DL two. Um, respected him as a player. Uh, I think had known him a little bit off the ice and said, you know, he's a great guy. Um, Any truth we were after Doucette at that time? Where was Doucette then? Was that was, he went he, and signed? He, he, got he, he, Denmark, 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 he came back to Nottingham. Yeah, he did. We did. We did speak to Doucette. Um, but he opted for, for Nottingham to go there and obviously we continued that mm-hmm. talk and we ended up getting him uh, the year after but uh, so we ended up signing Tattenham as a, a veteran player experienced face-off specialist um, and you know he worked out I think mm-hmm. great for us and you know there was a pivotal moment we'll talk about the you know the yeah. Challenge Cup final I think he's on for that last draw and, yes. and things like that but it did upset the dynamic that we were rolling so well with that, you know, Martin line mm-hmm. dominating the league. You got the Culligan line behind yeah. it, and then you got the Energy line just keeping it going mm-hmm. all the time. And it did upset that the dynamic of the of yeah. our team, and I think that was a contributor to that that wobble that we had. Also, Margaret Tanner, the best ever photo of a rival where he had his reading glasses on. <laughs> and he looked like he was launching his autobiography, yeah. you know, when novelists... He looked at least like a hockey player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. I think he was met by Dees, wasn't he? So that was a clash of culture. <laughs> and he forever became known as Titties then, because rather than Tats, <laughs> Dees came up with Titties and he was like... He's walked into a dressing room and everyone's calling him Titties and uh, I just don't think he knew what was going on. <laughs> Should we do a decent episode? Oh, it's God. God. It's X-rated. Are yeah. allowed to be X-rated on that? <laughs> uh, so that's where the league kind of is. The Devils are close, but there's a sense that there's a few games going awry. Mm. Scotland, again, is, is an enemy. There's a couple of losses in Edinburgh and Fife, and I guess we'll come on to that in later podcasts, how that hoodoo is kind of abolished, and, and that's a big reason personally I believe why league titles started to come back um, but of course the story of this season is a challenge cup run as usual the group stage unremarkable <laughs> yeah I think we just sneaked through it didn't we yeah just, just, as, sneak through it. yeah just about made it in the, in the last spot there um, and for me an excellent couple of quarter final games um, against the Belfast Giants um, where the second leg was at the tent Mm. Um, and I believe Hudson got a, a big power play goal. Um, yeah, we haven't really talked about Hudson. No, no Hudson. Yeah, is, uh, yeah, he was he was a guy that when Lordo first signed for the Devils. So remember, we signed him on the university yeah. deal. I'd already been speaking to him for three years and kind of respected him and knew he you know had had a lot of experience and stuff. And I was asking him, you know, what players mm-hmm. do you know that we can look at? And he recommended Carl Hudson. Then, so I spoke a little bit with Huddy. Um, the year before thank god we didn't bring him in then <laughs> uh, he stayed in Germany and 
when Lordo then took over and we're kind of plotting out this team and it was myself, Lordo and Todd kind of putting down the roles. Um, Hudson was a, a guy that, you know, we both remembered you, you could fit in the mix and, you know, this this time it was uh, was meant to, to be, you know, so he came across and... Uh, what a skate what, what an exciting player yeah. to watch. I mean, the amount of times me and Lordo had our heart in our mouths because no matter if he was the last man back and there was a puck in the air... Rather than make the safe play and back, um, back out, he would bat it out of the air, and he would do it, you know, nineteen times out of twenty, and uh, and we just be like, oh my god, he was high risk, high reward, but you know, more often than not, he came out and great player to watch. A power play as well, that that one time, yeah, right hand shot, power shot, play, yeah. was, that yeah. created a lot of goals. Yeah, and like we talk about this group uh, in terms of how well they got on, Huddy was pretty much central to every funny moment on a night out. Um, which, yeah, like, anyone that knows Hudson off the ice, mm-hmm. Crazy Carl was his nickname, and uh, <laughs> it's something to be seen. And I'm sure, I'm sure most people who've been to a, an event or yeah. whatever, where there's beers flowing, will know Crazy Carl is just a different, different <laughs> fan. And, uh, yeah, very good memories of him. You know, another great guy. That so, Belfast game, sorry, Kev, was obviously an emotional night because I remember Todd being on the bench at the end and almost doing the the, the cheerleading with the with the crowd. And uh, obviously, Todd's got a huge amount of respect for Belfast. Big part of his life was, was there, and the Belfast Giants are a great organisation. But I, I wonder, I don't know, maybe t- Franny can comment on this whether that was almost justification to, to Todd, or he, he felt some sense of relief when when the Devils, his new organisation, were able to. See off in that competition. What were the the best team in in British ice hockey at the time? They had been so dominant the year before. You know, it was crazy that Todd Kelman had, had left and come to this tent in, in in Cardiff to knock the Giants out. I think that was a big moment for Todd, probably. Yeah, I think it's only it's human nature, isn't it? That you know, if somebody plays against their old side or, or whatever it is, it's always that extra bit satisfying that you know the new place you've gone to has got one over on them, and you know, there's a you know sense of achievement there and. Uh, yeah, that, that was a big moment because, like we talked about, the Giants had had our number for way too long, had dominated us, and, you know, we were in a head-to-head competition with them, and, uh, you know, we ended up we ended up putting them out of it uh, on, our, on our way to the final. So it was, you know, that was a, again, when you talk about turning points and pivotal moments, I think, I think that's got to be one. A 4-3 win away in uh, what was then the Odyssey Arena, and then a 4-2 victory in the tent, sees the Devils through to the semi-final against uh, the Coventry Blaze and uh, the Devils. Is this the Culligan goal? It is. Can we talk about just before we go on to that? I'm not sure <laughs> if it was in the in the quarterfinal against Belfast, but that's when the Hendo hip check against Westcar. Yes. Do you remember that? Yeah. And the, the one that was replayed time and time again. <laughs> and I don't think we've seen apart from. Uh, Stephen, Stephen Cooper, Cooper yeah. and, and his one in Europe and the one yeah. on Dan Dory where he steps up um, that hip check was just unbelievable because Westgarth obviously absolutely nails um, and he's going down the boards he thinks he's got Trevor Hendricks and everybody that's been watching Hendo week in week out <laughs> and that, that tent suits him perfectly you can see the little shuffle and he just absolutely smashes him and the whole place rocks and uh, yeah. one of my favourite moments of that season talking about Westgarth that season I know we're digressing but Tough guy in his own right, but Tyson Marsh just deciding when he does fight, he wants to fight the toughest guys. <laughs> well, that's that's Marshy, you know, yeah. is that you know he 
he is tough in his own right, and he dived in after a teammate with no regard for his own safety. But another sort of little ditty about Westgarth is that when he came over, like everybody was like, "Oh my God!" You know, they've signed the toughest player. You know, and we've seen West, the devastating fights that Westgarth had had in the NHL and AHL, and he'd been really quiet, hadn't he? Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if it was that hip check that had quietened him up or whatever. Uh, so everyone was really surprised and he was just, okay, you know, you see it, don't you? There's someone that's been on a million dollar contract yeah. to fight over there. Come, Cup winner. Yeah. yeah, comes to a league where he's getting paid an absolute fraction of that. Why should I bother? And he, and he kind of had that, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to do the fighting bit anymore. So it was almost quite nice to play against him and I don't think he had the impact that anyone expected. And then we play the one game in the, in the Odyssey and all of a sudden he is running around like mad and we're like, <laughs> And there's a moment where Cully, who's one of the cleanest players, you know, yeah. loses his feet, slides, and he knocks over Westgarth. Westgarth gets up, and he launches himself, and he starts hammering down on Cully, who's on the floor. Hendo, yes. being you know great team guy that he is, comes in to like confront Westgarth, and Westgarth turns around and basically suckers him. Hendo's like down, and we're like, oh my god! And Hendo had a concussion off yeah. the back of that. I remember you know in the dressing room after, you know, he's like. I'm, I'm not right, you know. And we're like, what, where did this Westgarth come from? You know, this is the one we were expecting yeah. to see, but, you know. And then we found out, someone tells us, you know why he's running around tonight, don't you? There's a, there's a film crew yeah. from North America, <laughs> and they're filming a doc- documentary around tough guys, and they're filming him tonight, so he's obviously put a show yeah. on the cameras, and that documentary was Ice Guardians. Ice Guardians. So we'll blame Vic Silverwood for Hendo's concussion. But it was, uh, you know, the footage that you see in that Ice Guardians film um, of, I think yeah. I think that incident is on there. Um, you know, he gives Hendo a concussion but yeah, Hendo jumping in and all of a sudden it lit the fire under, under Westgarth yeah. for that uh, for that game. Where were we, guys? We were on Coventry. That's <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. Uh, so, yeah, Belfast quarterfinals done and dusted the semi-final first leg a pretty uh, straightforward 4-1 victory in the away leg is exactly what you want uh, Tatnam I think got his first goal yeah, uh, in that and there's a real sense now that a final is within touching distance um, so it's 4-1 away and then it comes back to the big blue tent mm-hmm. um, at the time I was uh, living in London mm-hmm. commuting back for certain games this one was midweek so uh, I fired up good old Cardiff Devils TV mm-hmm. at the time to listen to uh, to uh, young... Do I get to mention how I used to commentate? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> you haven't said it for a while. <laughs> Two young enthusiastic broadcasters in uh, John Donovan and Added Lloyd and Chris Culligan scores a remarkable goal which yeah. is beamed across the world. Yeah, it's like NHL.com. NHL.com, ESPN, pretty much any North American outlet that's got time to fill in their 24 hour schedule was put in the Chris Gallagher goal. I think it made a top five end of season list yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as well. John, you um, you had a pat on the back from Chris Gallagher for your analysis of his goal because you gave him big props I, I for did. staying on side in the first instance. Yeah, that's right because um, it was a, it was like the the grenade pass over the top. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. He, 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 yeah. First of all, you know, 
Al had called the goal, and it was a, it was a fantastic goal. Chris Culligan's going to get forgotten in this, obviously. But, uh, <laughs> uh, no, Al had calls the goal, and it's a fantastic uh, goal call, and and the finish itself is is fantastic on his back, the awareness where it is. But yeah, I I really love the the start of the play because when you think how congested the ice is at the big blue tent, as Franny said, it's that kind of grenade pass over the top, and. Not only does he pull it out of the air, he drags his leg to stay on side when he's got bodies around him. Um, and I just remember seeing that thing, guy. This this guy's got hockey smarts to to be able to know exactly where he is on the ice, to be able to know um, to to drag his leg, to be able to to you know judge the the pace of the puck that's coming at him. And and that was that was in itself for me a, a thing of beauty. And then what well, he he fought off uh, two or three checks as he went to the net. He gets knocked to the ice. But has the wherewithal, kind of like that Ovechkin goal, and he finishes off his back on the the backhand to know that the 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 goal, if I'm guessing, would have been Stewart. That would have yeah, been he was, was slightly out of position, and and I think the Coventry defender had, hadn't stopped at the net. He'd gone past the net, and uh, because he thought maybe the play was was dead, and Culligan wasn't getting that from the the hit, and then just in a flash, Culligan uh, on his back on on the backhand side just just flicks the puck into the net, and. Uh, Alex's goal call was was superb, and and we've seen some great goals in this uh, uh, new era. You know, you called one in uh, Gaz uh, for Jake Morissette in in Ice Arena Wales uh, opening weekend, but um, I, I can't think of many more. Just instinctive, um, instinctive yeah. is the yeah. word yeah. To, to to every facet of that to stay on side to fight off body contact driving to the net. And Chris Culligan's not the biggest guy in the world, and then when he falls to the ice, to still have a picture in his mind of where the defenceman is, where the netminder is, and where the net is, and boy, what a goal that was. It's one of those goals, as I was, because I, like I, said, I was watching on, on my TV at home, you don't really comprehend that it's gone in. <laughs> it wasn't until yeah. you hear Alan come in with a, with his uh, his quality call that you uh, kind of dawns and you what's just happened. Um, frankly, from a club point of view, when uh, you've got that sort of marketing tool, um, to, to spread the word around the hockey community that uh, good things are happening in Cardiff. What, uh, what does that kind of mean to the club? Yeah, I mean, I think it was... Um, the best thing about it for me is it gave a spotlight to Chris Culligan, who was someone that didn't look for a spotlight, that was very much a team-first kind of player, would never, ever seek himself ahead of the team. And I think it was just like a nice pat on the back that all of a sudden this has gone viral worldwide. I don't know how many hits it had, um, and it was, you know, it was, uh, you know, it was obviously a great opportunity opportunity for us to show off, you know, the elite league and the Cardiff Devils, and you know the fact that we were making this resurgence. But for me, the fact that it gave, you know, Cully, you know, a little bit of a uh, spotlight, which was ultra deserved, um, was the best thing. Yeah. So the Challenge Cup final is where the Devils roll on to against all the odds, something I don't think that was marked down uh, on paper at the beginning of the year as, a, as, a, as an aim, but they made it, and it's uh, the same team that they're in a title race with, the Sheffield Steelers. The day before, the Devils win 12-0 against the Dundee Stars on the Saturday, <laughs> so that's a, a nice leisurely uh, stroll into the Sunday. John, I vividly remember speaking to you mm. on the Saturday night because I was travelling up on uh, the Panath Fun Bus you were. that had been <laughs> arranged and uh, I just remember you as calm as you like turning to me and saying, we're going to be alright tomorrow. Well, I, I was, um, and I give credit to, to Franny and the new ownership for this, um, any time the Devils were in a final or a sniff of a trophy in the, in the uh, 
preceding uh, years, or sorry, the earlier years, um, I was ultra nervous because you didn't know when the next opportunity would, would uh, come around to win a trophy. Um, but you, you got the impression with this new ownership group that the Devils would be competing for, for years to come and this was just the start of something. So that was one of the reasons I, I was calm. The only reason I was calm, I vividly remember you saying, to, saying uh, this to you guys on the bus going up, and anyone who knows my obsession with the league title, I just kept going, I don't really care about today, it's Wednesday. Wednesday <laughs> I, Wednesday's the one I want to win, yeah. or because or, we, we were playing Sheffield the, the following Wednesday. Uh, so for the first time ever, I was I was very calm and, and um, yeah, just, just uh, obviously the nerves kick in, but the, the, the crucial thing is, and I know we'll talk about the game in more detail, but the Devils get the first goal, it's so good not to be chasing the game, and um, it's so critical we got that power play at the end of the first period then you had that fresh ice at the, the second and it was a really nice power play goal which it was a lord of the lord scores, of scores it, it which, yeah. which is just you know uh, poetry or, or and you get the celebration it. you get the celebration <laughs> yeah, yeah. the, the, the travelling I mean we must have had about a thousand people oh, there. Was it was just... and, and the other just going back to him and, and we talked about Ben Bounds earlier Ben Bounds was having a good season but I just felt he he grew into his skin in that game. Yeah, I, I think to, that to was the game that actually transformed him into uh, a leader, a yeah. you know, a, le- a legitimate goaltender, wasn't it? Because so. up to then, I mean, we hadn't spoken much about him in that, but you know, to go on the runs that we'd gone on, to be in that position, we needed solid goaltending, and he'd exceeded expectations from you know a promising goalie that was playing in Hull to come into. You know, to backstop this new era, um, you know, build, you know, all this thing about building the team around him, and you know, he had been definitely, definitely exceeding expectations. Um, but there was always that thing: is it enough for a championship team to have this British yeah. goalie or um, you know, a, a relatively unproven goalie? And uh, and that game was oh, he, he, he was, was phenomenal. He was he was fantastic and. Uh, again, guys, I'm sure you're more going more depth. The other player I'd like to give um, a little bit of we'll cut that bit out. <laughs> the other the other player I'd like to give uh, uh, you know some uh, some praise to. Remember in the third period, Matthew Myers, who was having a hell of a game, goes down injured, and Chris Jones has to jump in and take a regular shift. Yeah. And the responsibility that Chris Jones played with on yeah. that third line um, didn't miss a beat. Played regular minutes. It was a, it was still a, a good shutdown line. Uh, and I think you know um, Chris Jones was never going to put up a hundred points a season, but you've got to recognise guys like him and, and pick it for for the roles they play. And I thought in the third period of that Challenge Cup final, Chris Jones was superb. Yeah, big shout out to the fourth line crew. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think you've covered a, a lot of that pretty well. Um, the owners came over for what was, I guess, uh, they've been they've been uh, at a visit before, yeah. but this was, I think the day where all the Devils fans really took them in. They went on the supporters' bus. Yeah. They got stinking drunk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they topped up, I think. Celebrating a 12 and all the against Dundee. But it was a real uh, sense of community in that stand mm. that day. Everyone was on the same page. Yeah. The owners were very happy to muck in, I think, that... What they kind of proved was they are hockey fans, like you mentioned earlier on uh, in this episode, uh, Frank, is they are hockey people at heart and they just wanted to have fun. And yeah. everyone did have fun. 
probably wouldn't have had as much fun if we'd lost, of course. No. Um, but I, I even think the occasion, the fact that we were there, meant so much to people, and you saw that by um, by the numbers that travelled up there. The fact we were in a final again yeah. for the first time in what was it, ten years? Mm-hmm. We were in a final again, and um, well, like a, a cup final yeah. rather than the, you know the playoffs, but. Uh, and everybody had come together and, you know, the enjoyment was back, the spark was back and, you know, leading the charge with the owners who, you know, had spent every game that they'd watched us. I think, like you said, they'd been over once before and that the, the night before the Champions Cup final, sitting in the stands. They didn't want to go up in a, a sort of private, well, we only had private corners of the BBT, didn't we? We didn't have, uh, <laughs> didn't have suites. Um, but, you know, they were sitting with the fans, they were engaging with them, they were having a beer with them, they were having a laugh with them and then they... They didn't want to go up on the team bus. They didn't want to go up on a, you know, a private car. They wanted to go up on the fan bus, and yeah. they were wearing their hockey helmets with the, you know, the goal horns on them and and things like that. And uh, you know, it was it, it just sums them up that you know how lucky that we got that these guys, uh, you know, it, it all fell into place for these guys to own it because they're hockey people first and foremost. We haven't actually mentioned them that much, guys, in in it, but the actual owners themselves, and again. Um, having the honour of being a, a slightly close to the team over the last few years, you and I have experienced this. You know, Steve, uh, Craig, Brian, Kelly. I missed there's only four no, of them. Four, yeah. and, and Todd as well. <laughs> um, they are the, the not just fantastic owners for the Devils. They are the nicest guys uh, going, and and, and, and all and the crew that come with them as well. well you know? We, oh. we you know, being welcomed in with their families and and sharing drinks with them and 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 so on and so forth. Uh, it couldn't be couldn't be a better experience, and also not to embarrass him, he's in the room. There is that iconic image of the Challenge Cup final when the buzzer goes and you see Franny celebrating. That yeah. must have been a huge kind yeah. of um, it, release for you, and, and yeah, it makes a change in the pictures where I've almost got the same facial expression, but it's normally like yelling at a referee. <laughs> <laughs> but this time it is it's like a yell of elation, and it was total disbelief because I re- I remember that you know we we talked about. Andrew Lloyd gets mm-hmm. the uh, gets the lead. Yeah. Did it go one one or no? no two 0 Two nil. And the color gun. They were quick. They were quick fires. Yeah, it was. Bang, 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 yeah, it was uh, Hendo Hendo's, rims the yeah. puck around. Well, the puck gets rimmed around. Hendo takes Hendo a shot, and Culligan gets the tip, yeah. and it goes in, and we're two up. And then later in the game, then they yeah. get back to two one. And you He's know, in the crease, by the way, the Sheffield yeah. player. Right? <laughs> yeah. Still annoyed we didn't get the yeah. shot. But but you know, you start things start like going through your mind, and you don't want to admit it. But you're like, you know, that's a typical example. That goal shouldn't have been allowed. Oh my god, here yeah, we go here again, we go, yeah. kind of thing. You know, and it's two one. They're yeah. one shot away from tying up the game, yeah. going into overtime and robbing us. You know, and Absolutely. and we'd had so much heartbreak leading into oh, yeah. into into that uh, final that. When that buzzer went, it was sheer disbelief. Yeah. It was like all the emotions under the sun yeah. that uh, you know, yeah. all, all came out. And, and Mark, that picture yeah. is, is one of my favourites. Franny, I remember, and Mark Richardson, because Mark Richardson, fantastic player. Mm-hmm. And I always joke about this you know, when I spoke to him. Up until that point, he was a bit of a jinx. You didn't win it. <laughs> <laughs> so for Mark Richardson to, 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 to win that, and uh, just on that Culligan goal, every time it's replayed, uh, I'm sure you guys have seen this, but I love it. Um, he jumps at the the the, the plexi, and he's mm. obviously jumping at the Sheffield fans. And there's that one lone Sheffield fan, and I can understand there is emotions. It's not clear. I'm not sure, and I don't mean that disparagingly. Um, <laughs> but but one of them gets up and, and and gives the middle finger salute to Kelly, and uh, 
that's a fun memory of uh, that goal. <laughs> it's a crazy way you remember as well, because I just remember in that third period when the Steelers were ramping up the pressure yeah. and it was 2-1. Yeah. I remember Doug Clarkson on his hands and knees yeah. throwing a stick to get the puck out of the zone. <laughs> he had, I think he had got a tip on it and yeah. then he was so tight because he'd been out there for a while, we couldn't get it out. And just on his hands and knees, he knew... If he just went a little inch more, yeah. he could get out of the zone, and he did, and went for a change. And <laughs> it was, I think, there was at that moment where I felt a bit more calm. Yeah. So I thought if they're willing to go through that and to to go that extra mile to make sure we see this out, and then okay. and then we get that face off, don't we? Yeah. With it, with like maybe three seconds left yeah. in the zone, uh, in our zone, and again in your head, you know, this is not you know. The t- trying to be calm has gone out the window. Now, we are three seconds away from our first trophy in 10 years. Yeah. You know, the perfect way to launch the, the new era. Um, Tatterman, who, you know, was a late pickup for us, bring, you know, goes in there and he, you know, does enough on the face off. I don't think he wins it cleanly, but he does enough mm-hmm. not for them to get a, you know, a clean win back to the D-man and the shot on net. Uh, her dad was out there, I remember, and... You know, that, that yeah. moment is, I, I think, still my favourite, certainly my favourite moment in coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe my favourite moment in hockey because, you know, and, and of all the things that we've won since, you know, Steve King, Todd and, and Lord have been in place, um, you know, the owners even say that yeah. that's probably their favourite because it just, it meant we were back, didn't it? Yeah. And Tyson Marsh lifts the trophy well. Yeah, he did. Yeah, no, he did. I mean, it was weird because we almost didn't know how to celebrate. Yeah. You know, you, you look <laughs> at, say, Sheffield, when they were winning things regularly and John, as a captain, has lifted so many trophies. I mean, he's so well-versed at it. You know, when you look at GB yeah. in, the, in the recent win in, in, the, in the World Championships, you know, he's got this celebration all planned out where he gets the team around yeah. him. And, you know, there have been so many moments where Sheffield lifted. We, we had it and, like... We didn't really know what to do for a second, and you know, I think we we stayed on the ice, didn't we, for an yes. hour, hour after the game. I mean, the, the magical thing on a personal level for me is that my wife Laura had taken the last minute decision to drive up to the game, so my girls were really young. I think they were yeah. like two and you know, four, uh, three and a half or something. They, you know, they were really young. She'd taken that last minute, and they came and joined me on the ice, which is you know, that that's a lifetime moment for me. And uh, Sheffield knew how to celebrate so much. There were balloons in the rafters oh, wow. the entire hour that the devil celebrated. Yes. Um, the other thing, just like final point, this has no relevance whatsoever, <laughs> uh, which is which is typical for me. But I remember all those po- uh, pictures of the devil celebrating. And one thing I think I've got to thank Franny for as well, um, green back on the kit. And I love the fact that we have <laughs> green back on the kit. If I can get green shorts at some stage, Franny, or maybe the old logo on a third kit. <laughs> but the green back on the kit, beautiful. Yeah. We need a hashtag campaign for green shorts <laughs> and an, shorts. an old logo third yes. jersey because I'm on board with that. Yeah. I'm totally on board. So that was the icing, the cherry on top of, uh, of what was a remarkable season. Um, the Wednesday after the Devils lost eleven to Chef in the league, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, didn't make the perf again either, but it was all about <laughs> yeah. the Challenge Cup, and uh, it was the foundation. Uh, no doubt, it taught mm. the the Devils how to win again. Yeah, I'm sure it was getting over that line, wasn't it? So you know, moments uh, for Ben Bounds personally. You know, he was a young yeah. British netminder who had won something. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden. He gets a legitimacy about yeah. him, you know. For a club that hasn't won in ten years, and we had all the heartbreaks in the playoff yeah. final, we we've got over that line. 
Lordo as a first-year coach, yeah. a first-year player coach. You know, he's he's got his first trophy. Todd, yeah. best GM in the league, renowned, uh, has won trophies in Belfast. Has come over in his first year to a new, you know, a, basically a new club yeah. as we were. You know, we were we had to be reborn. You know, he gets a trophy in his first year. The owners, first time they've ever owned a club, and you know, three out of four of them are there. You know, they come down and you know, celebrate on the ice. And, you know, I love the picture as well. There's the three owners and uh, Sully's in the picture as well. You know, he's a yeah, big part of it. Uh, I remember him, got to mention him belting out the anthem. Do you remember yes. how good the anthem was yeah. before the game? It was. That, you know, what a start. I, yeah. I said to him, you know, at the time, what, what a start yeah. he got us off to, you know? Yeah. Just, I know we kind of, and this is mainly because I got to rush off, but I know we're, 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 uh, we're curtailing and, and talking about the end of the season as if it fizzled out. We were we were still. I remember when Carl Hudson put us one 0 up in Sheffield on that Saturday night. We if we'd have taken that win that night and and then we played Nottingham the next night, we would have been champions. And Jeff Lagui was it as he always does gets uh, or as he always did for Sheffield. Just got a, a heartbreaking decisive goal and and they beat us two one that Saturday night. And you know G had the title and uh, I will grudge him because I never want Sheffield to win anything. <laughs> but, you know, a, a, a good man got some reward there. Um, but uh, yeah, we 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 stayed in that title race all the way to the end. And and my feelings about it as a fan were we were back in the conversation. When you talked about teams that had potential to, to, to win things, we were now back in the conversation. And, and obviously, you know, thank Franny for that. Thank Lordo. Thank thank Todd. And and, and thank the owners. And it's continued right up until the present day. And long may it continue. I'm sure we'll all agree with that. Um, thank you for joining us on this uh, trip down memory lane to the 14-15 Elite League season. As we said at the top of the show, uh, a season that uh, is possibly one of the most pivotal in Devils history. And uh, I think we've covered every uh, nook and cranny of it. So... Um, uh, I've been uh, Gareth Hewish on behalf of uh, John Donovan and uh, Neil Francis. Thank you ever so much for listening. You can uh, find us on Twitter at FrannyBTB um, and we'll have a new poll up for the next episode and we'll uh, go through some more memories and uh, unearth some more secrets. But for now, thank you ever so much for joining us. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you.